0: What I'm really talking about is a battle cry to put down the tool of meditating and pick up the tool for the next part of the journey. If I'm doing a triathlon, right, I don't take my bike on the swim. I put the bike down and I do the swim, right? I don't wear my swimming goggles when you may, but you're probably not going to wear your swimming goggles and bathing suit for the running part. You're probably going to have your running shoes and have your running clothes. But what I find people are doing is they're doing the whole triathlon on a bicycle and wondering why they're drowning.
1: Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Dan Mangena, motivational speaker, author, and coach at Dream with Dan. Dan, at the age of 27, received a diagnosis of Asperger's. This late diagnosis caused Dan to experience what can only be described as a life-shattering trauma. Daniel spent the next seven years struggling to keep these revelations and events from spilling into every area of his life. As a result of his struggles, Daniel built a simple four-step system called the Beyond Intention Paradigm, which helped transform his life from misery to celebration. Through his own struggles, Daniel found a path to lasting joy and purpose, and he wants nothing more than to share the tools that saved his life and help others. Through his motivational speeches, Dan shares his vision of empowerment and joy. The books he has authored, along with his podcast, Do It With Dan, the blogs, articles, and worldwide workshops have all helped thousands across the globe. Dan's mission is to empower others to move towards their dream life with confidence. Listen in and hear about Dan's journey from crushing diagnosis and depression to creating a system that helped him and is now helping thousands of others to live a life of abundance, joy, and purpose. Well, hello, buddy. Larry Sprung here, and I have the pleasure of having Dan Mangena motivational speaker, author, and coach of Dream with Dan. Thanks for joining us today,
0: Dan. Thank you for having me, Neri. Pleasure to be here. Yeah,
1: it's great to have you on the show. And listen, I want you to have an opportunity to tell our audience about your path to where you are today, You know, as a motivational speaker, best-selling author, and Wall Street Journal master of success. (laughs) How did you get here?
0: Well, the master of success thing is just relationships, which I'm sure you will understand that we just realize we know some of the same people and all of the things. It's like, sure. especially nowadays, the digital world has made everything much smaller. Globalization means you've got to be careful of relationships. I've had people who, I love to say the whole one night stand versus a long-term relationship relationship, right? You've got the churn and burn mentality, people just trying to get what they can. But people that foster good relationships, actually looking to serve and actually add, looking to add to the relationship are not only going to be remembered, their names can be spoken forward in a good way. So abundance it, mindset, it, you know what I'm talking about? So if there you'd seen you my name and it came up, Oh, I've got this guy, Dad Manguino and I'd screwed over, for example, our, our mutual friend, Justin, or I hadn't been great with him or he was say, oh, I don't know about that. And even if you kept this meeting, the energy, the pre-frame is going to be different. So me getting into the wall street journal was a matter of one relationship led to another relationship that led to another relationship. And it's me basically paying it forward and having good relationships meant that I ended up with one of my mentors who's like, Hey, we're running a feature in the Wall Street Journal. I'd love to put you forward. I'm like, yeah, put me forward. There you go. (laughs) And that's how it happened.
1: Well, did you get that like penciled profile sketch or you're not there yet with the Wall Street
0: Journal? All right. Not with the solo feature yet. All
1: right. Well, you'll get
0: there. We've got that one. We've got that one on the list.
1: What was your path to where you are today as a dream with Dan, motivational speaker? How did you get
0: here? Incidentally, I really wasn't interested in any of this stuff. (laughs) So I made my first million when I was 19 years old. And everything went horribly wrong. I didn't know what I was doing, completely messed up the whole thing, ended up losing it all within about a year or something like that. What happened was we, we didn't have the right paperwork and licenses for the business that we're in. And so the government was like, well, you need a license for all that, so we'll have all of that. So <laughs> all of that went. Then I went off and started the consulting. I realized people would pay me money just to pick my brain. And here I was, this 19, 20 year old, far too cocky for his own good that people were willing to pay just to hear what he had to say. So I did that and built up another business doing that. And then promptly everything got stolen because I trusted the wrong people and everything got stolen. So I'm 23, 24 years old now, sitting now and looking at the, dis- the debris of my failures and realizing that maybe I don't know everything. Maybe I'm not Johnny Big Balls that I thought I was that kind of had it all worked out because I got into personal development, mindset, visualization, all this kind of stuff about the age of 16. So I was ordering stuff from oh, you know, Nightingale Conant online and reading books and listening to tapes i think i listened to the wisdom of solomon and the 8020 principle when i was like 16 17 years old right. i was on it and that contributed certainly to my success but again i didn't have the experience and i didn't know how to hold a certain level of success and wealth so it promptly left so here i am looking at this and i'm like well you know i spent the last few years of my life telling everyone i know everything and really arrogantly sort of throwing my successes around and here i was without The evidence to back that, in fact, evidence to the contrary that I don't know what I want. And actually, I recognize now looking back that so much of my identity was tied up in my successes that when that was gone, I didn't have anything left. And the fact is, Larry, the only reason why I didn't actually follow through with an out and out suicide attempt is I had such little belief in myself at the time that I thought I would fail. And I didn't want to be the loser, quote unquote loser, that couldn't even pull off his own suicide. And so get this, I set off on a mission to find out what was wrong with my manifesting so, I could successfully commit suicide without failing. And that ended up being a journey that I've been on since 2008 to today, where at some point, I couldn't really tell you where, I pummeled and polluted myself with so much positivity that I actually ended up choosing life accidentally when I was really quite intentful on what I was doing before and sharing that journey and the methods and methodologies and lessons that I've learned on the way through my books, through my podcasts, and through my speaking and coaching.
1: Wow. So, I don't know if you know this about me. This shows about you, but just to share a little about me, I'm on the national board for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention.
0: Wow!
1: So that is something. Mental health and suicide mm. prevention is something that's very important to me. I mm-hmm. lost my brother-in-law in 2004. Wow! Uh, he died by suicide, mm. and. It's with people like yourself telling your story and sharing it that I feel brings suicide out of the darkness, Mm. mental health out of the darkness, and gives people an opportunity and a vision that they can actually get help and they can actually overcome just like any other disease. Mm. It's it's possible. So thank you for sharing that story and and that part. One of the things that I found very interesting about you was – you basically received, very late in life yeah. is my understanding, mm-hmm. a diagnosis of Asperger's yeah. at the age of 20, I believe. 27. right? It was 27, 27. When I got the diagnosis, yeah. Okay. Which I believe is much later, typically as a child, those diagnoses mm-hmm. come in. And how did you deal with and react to that? I mean, is that part
0: and parcel to your experiences that you just shared with us? Actually, it's probably the saving grace. Because when I look at how my brain works, being on the autistic spectrum, I'm pretty blinking sure that the reason why I didn't have the impulsive reaction to just go and give it a try is because my Asperger's brain stepped through everything very logically and slowed everything down for me to come to a conscious choice that I'm going to try and get it right. So that all that happened when I was about 23, 24, the diagnosis came about four years later, and it actually saved me because I realized that the crippling social anxiety, the crippling general anxiety, the debilitating insomnia that I'd suffered for pretty much as long as I could remember were all tied to me being on the spectrum and trying to function in a mainstream world. When I got that diagnosis, what ended up happening was I was able to get the right resources, the right support, and also identify what my skills and superpowers were so I can actually apply those to what I do now. So even the way that I take complicated concepts, you know, I might talk about quantum type principles or even talking about the way the brain works and how we loop meditation and mindfulness into actual success and all of this stuff. It's because my brain can take everything and systemize it. So it's actually been a gift and a blessing. A part of me wishes maybe I had been diagnosed when I was like a kid or a teenager. So there wouldn't have been many sleepless nights, but I'm a firm believer that our journey has been our journey. And by celebrating that and looking for the strengths that we can pull from it, the lessons we can pull from it, we're a lot better served than wanting to go back and change things from being to being something different.
1: What led you to even try to uncover this diagnosis or led you down that path to kind of figure it out? Was it just because of what was going on in your early 20s that you were like, hey, something's not right here. I, I need a, an answer or it was an accident.
0: Know, it was an absolute accident. Why I like to say a blessing, really, Larry, because I was having another crippling spate of, of, of insomnia. I went to the doctors and I said, hey, can I get some sleeping tablets? I needed some prescribed sleeping tablets because over-the-counter medicines weren't working at yeah. all well, p- for this particular time. I was doing the chamomile tea. I was meditating and slowing down and turning off the TV and turning the lights off and I was just wide awake for about two weeks or something like that. The doctor gives me a very, very strong sleeping pill called Zopicline. He's only allowed to give me three in the UK. Apparently, he could only give three because it's so addictive. So, so you can't take more than two. Take one. If that doesn't work, take another half. If you need more than two, you're gonna to have to come back. So did one, wide awake. One and <laughs> a half, wide awake. Two, wide awake. Back to the doctor. He says, "Look, there's obviously something going on with, in the brain. I need sure. to refer you to a therapist." Like, okay, cool. The therapist he referred me to happened to be a woman that specialized, Dr. Helen McEwen. I will love her for life. That specialize in working with adults with autism. Wow, it just so happened. So it wasn't that that's what happened that I went there for that, but she saw the symptoms. It's so funny. After that, everyone's like, hey, are you on the spectrum? It's like, where were you my entire life? (laughs) But yeah, it just so happened that the the therapist I was referred to, Dr. Helen, worked with adults with autism, saw the clues, followed the breadcrumbs, didn't tell me what she was looking for at first, just kind of took me through the process of therapy. And then about a month and a half into the process, month, month and a half, she's like, hey, can you do this test? And it turned out I'm very, very high on the autistic spectrum.
1: Wow. That's amazing. I mean, because like you've seen people who suffer from mental illness, depression, whatever you want to wrap it around, there are so many tools available to Mm -hmm. help you work through it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's so difficult to find the ones that work for you. Mm -hmm. Stick with them long enough to make sure that it works or doesn't work Mm -hmm. and then move on to the next. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's something that's very difficult. But let's move along for a second, because you talk a lot about living your life by building a system called Beyond the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Correct. What is that all about and
0: how did this help you? Okay. Well, Beyond Intention was literally me taking a systemized approach to what I'd gone through and really trying to put it down. Because I want to say around 2010, 11 is when I really started to realize, oh, you know, I'm kind of choosing life here. You know, I'm not down in the dumps all the time. I'm kind of moving forward. And I'd started to write about my experiences. Back end of 2009, I started to write. and went to write my story. Uh, just to get it out of my head and get it down on paper, really start to try and process sure. everything. And as I started to come out on the other side and start to see things kind of rebuild and my life kind of come back together, I started to see these common threads. And these common threads became the four steps of Beyond Intention. And that work continues to evolve today. I, I think that I'm a continually, an ongoing student of life. I'm always- Are we all? <laughs> I've <I'm> always <laughs> investing in my personal development and different coaching, different programs, and always trying to evolve. And so the work that I'm doing evolves. But it started with these very four simple steps, which are accept, clear, gratitude, and listen. And if it would serve you in the audience, I'd love to go into what those four steps are and what they mean. Yeah, sure, sure. Sure. Absolutely. So step number one is all about the mindset with which I approach my life as a whole. And what we do with Beyond Intention is we accept responsibility radically. So step one is I'm the author and creator of my life. Everything that's shown up has been a product of either my conscious or unconscious choices, but it's my choice. My thoughts have led me to here. Now I can blame people, I can pass the buck, but ultimately, if I recognize a simple mathematical truth that I'm the only common denominator in every experience, if I start with me, then there will be changes across the board. So that's not to say that other people don't have an impact. It's not to say that other people don't actually have some blame. But I can't change other people as effectively as I can change myself. And if I change me, even if it's how I respond to other people, I can actually start to claim some dominion back and do something with my life. So that's step number one. Sure. Step number two invites us to come back to a very another simple truth. That the only point in time that's actually real is now. The past are memories. Even by the time that we reflect on something that's happened, even by the time we actually listen to something that we've said, we're still looking at the past. Because by the time that the sensory inputs have got into the senses, into the been process, it's a memory. Everything's a memory. The future hasn't happened yet. It's all expectation, whether from fear or from faith or from excitement or from doubt or whatever it is, it's all in the future. So if I want to make effective choices to take advantage of this dominion that I've accepted through step one, I need to be now. So step two is all about healing from trauma of the past, letting go of expectations of that time in the future and coming back to now so I can make new choices to create new outcomes. Step three, I just remembered I was doing all three. (laughs) (laughs) Step three is gratitude and gratitude isn't what you'd expect. It's not being grateful for what happened. It's actually about starting to build positive expectation by getting into a place of gratitude before something happens, that changes the neurochemistry of the brain and the body. It actually changes my habits and behaviors. It changed my thought processes and makes me able to step into what I want. Step four is listen, which is very simple. We're human. Nobody switched on all the time. Nobody's going to be getting it right every day. Nobody's going to be a champion every day. No one's going to be positive every day. You're not going to have an up quarter every quarter. Your kids aren't going to love you every day. You're not going to catch every ball game. But I can honor and love myself in spite of my humanity. And in the face of that self-love, in the face of that compassion, pay attention to what's going on with my thoughts and my feelings and assess whether they are accepting, whether they're present, and whether they're embodying what I want. I can course correct if they're not, and I can celebrate if they are. And that's beyond intention.
1: That's great. And I think those are very key and important points. And I think if we start utilizing those in our life, I can see how they can be very, very, very helpful. You also talk about uh, importance of alignment. mm mm-hmm. What are people aligning to? What do you mean by that?
0: What's the importance there? So one of the things I preach is pontificate on is that we're not one-dimensional, right? You have people that teach about mindset, great. But then you have people that take it to the degree of saying mindset is the only thing that matters. Or you've got people that teach you high-performance habits and all this. High-performance habits, that's what's going to make it happen. Or come and do my latest Reiki, doobri, what's it, meditation, visualization, Healing chant, right? Right. But we don't just exist as vibration. We don't just exist as thought form. We don't just exist as physical reality. We're we're all of these things. So when I'm speaking about alignment, I'm saying, well, let's be clear on what we want to create. Right? Let's break the habit of being a slave to our programs and be intentional. And then let's start to create some alignment in how we feel, which is the first point of contact with our vibration. Let's get into alignment what we believe so those thought forms can actually match what we want. And let's get into alignment with how we're behaving so that we're actually embodying what we want. And if we start to do that, Maybe just maybe we're going to start having more success and creating more of what we want.
1: Yeah. And that can be used virtually in every area of your life, right? If you figure out that main alignment and then apply it to all those areas of your life, I, I would imagine it just makes for a much better experience overall for you, right? 100%. So one of the things I found interesting, because especially in this day and age, coming out of the, you know, we're in the pandemic, there's been a lot of talk about meditation, (laughs) you know, coming back to our ground and and relaxing ourselves. I even, you know, there were certain points during the pandemic that I'm not a big meditator, Mm -hmm. but uh, I found myself utilizing the Peloton app and utilizing their meditation just to relax a little bit. Mm -hmm. Now, very interesting. You say, you tell people, stop meditating. Yeah. Why? When we hear about all these benefits, why are you telling people or or preaching that we should be stopping to meditate?
0: And here's the key, Larry. I didn't say we shouldn't. I said we should stop. For something to stop, it has to have been in motion in the first place. So what I'm really talking about is a battle cry to put down the tool of meditating and pick up the tool for the next part of the journey. If I'm doing a triathlon, right, I don't take my bike on the swim. I put the bike down and I do the swim, Right. I don't wear my swimming goggles when you may, but you're probably not going to wear your swimming goggles and bathing suit for the running part. You're probably going to have your running shoes and have your running clothes. But what I find people are doing is they're doing the whole triathlon on a bicycle and wondering why they're drowning. (laughs) Right? Again, coming back to this thing about we're multidimensional, spiritual practice, mindfulness, these tools are very powerful, but you don't take your car into space. You drive your car on the road and your spaceship stays in space. You know, for each level of our experience, there's a, there's a different tool, a different way that we need to show up, a different thing that we need to do. People that go and get wrapped up completely on what their shaman said, or their guru, their spiritual healer, or their minister, their priest, what have you. Yeah, but what about your belief systems? Because I can pray all day long for abundance, and God can send a hundred different ways for me to get that abundance. If in my mind, I don't believe I'm worthy, or that I can have that thing, my reticular activating system is going to flick on, shut down and filter it out. I'm not going to see it. doesn't matter how positive my thinking is, as I've seen firsthand experience, If I don't know how to hold or do the thing, I'm going to mess it up. So, when I'm calling people to stop meditating, sorry, when I'm calling people to stop meditating, saying, yeah, meditate, do your chant, do your prayer, go to your temple, go to your synagogue, go to your mosque, go to your church, do what your thing. But let's take care of those beliefs and those mindset, that mindset, and let's take care of those habits and behaviors to make sure everything syncs up and leads to what we want to create. Sorry.
1: So, basically, don't just rely on the meditation to get you where you need to be from where you are today, more or less. There we are. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. How are you helping people today? Mm -hmm. Right. How are you helping? How is Dan helping individuals Mm -hmm. and who are the ideal people for you to work with? Mm -hmm. Or is there an ideal person or is everybody
0: a potential person who Dan can help? Mm. Well, I think Dan can help the people who are aligned with how Dan helps. Because, you know, if we talk about, you know, the mind for a moment, the mind only understands imprints. But we have imprints that we're going to have enough of alignment with for us to be able to get the message. you know you have some people that need a bit more of a gentle approach and some people for whom they need more of a stern approach. If I give the stern approach to someone who needs a gentle or gentle to the person who needs a the stern, there's not going to be any any change right you know talking about the meditation, not everybody's fit for meditation for some people the meditation is when they're having a run, when they're having a walk. Maybe for some it's a walking meditation on the beach and for some it's going to be sitting down in absolute silence. some people like guided some people don't. my approach isn't going to work for everybody. And what I find is those that resonate with my approach, they get results, resonate with the approach and want to put the work in (laughs) those that that here's the thing. I actually tweeted this today. Do you want it to be easy? Do you want it to work? You know, anyone who's looking for a popcorn solution, that's going to get them there in five minutes or anyone who runs around on Instagram typing, yes, I affirm under those posts that say you're going to have your abundance in the next 30 days. Probably isn't my person. Someone who's ready to actually put some work in, get uncomfortable just not opening up to recognizing that they don't know what they, what they don't know. We might get somewhere. We might get somewhere. I tend to work with people who have some experience with some kind of mindfulness or spiritual practice only because I'm going to start there. Right. If you think all of it's woo-woo nonsense, then we're probably not going to dive together. It'd be better if you did, but we're probably not right. going to dive. But the place that I focus most is on financial abundance. So people are like, what do you mean? You just, you're materialistic. You know, All you care about is money and blah, blah, blah. And I say, no. First and foremost, we live in a world where the most e- easiest medium of exchange is money. Right. Okay. If I want more choice, money is going to make it happen. It's not going to make me happy, but it's certainly going to afford me more choices so that I can actually reach for those things that are going to make me feel more alive. Okay. Also, if I'm stressed about money, I'm not going to really have a conducive space with which to create alignment with my purpose or to go and share my gifts with the world. I'm going to be in fight or flight mode. So I focus on financial abundance because A, it's the easiest method of exchange. b). If you haven't got money, you're going to find it very hard to do anything else. And also three, it's just an easy measuring stick. If I'm teaching you, for example, how to create your own reality, I say, okay, follow these steps and go and create, you know, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars. If you don't hit it, we know something's wrong. And if you hit it, we know it works. We can then take that and apply it to your health, apply it to your relationships, apply it to finding your purpose, to your career. So that's what I do. Those are the kind of people I love to hang out with and the people that it's probably not going to work for too.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, listen, you know, we, we're not here for everybody, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, we want to align with those that, like you say, understand and align with us. Mm-hmm. And if you enter it with that abundance mindset instead of scarcity mindset, mm-hmm. it puts you in a much better situation to cater to those people and be able to find them, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, if you have that scarcity mindset, it kind of puts blinders on, if not goggles over your eyes, and you really can't see at all. It's mm-hmm. very difficult. Could you share perhaps a story from working with one or a couple of your clients where you help overcome an obstacle or a stressor in their life and move past it to get great abundance? Sure. I think that would be telling.
0: Sure. So we've got um, a concept that I teach called money DNA. People are like, what's money DNA? Well, one thing I've come to realize is that just the way like our genetic DNA unfolds as to who we are, you know, the height that we are, the hair color we don't have to do anything for that. It just unfolds naturally from that place. But when I started backtracking people's money situation backwards, there were telltale signs that the same thing was happening with finances too. The DNA just shows up differently. It shows up energetically and mentally versus physically, although there's going to be some physical components too. So one of the things we do is we do a host of different archetypes and we track those and we investigate where people have the most natural flow towards creating wealth and abundance. And sometimes people get uncomfortable hearing that because they've got stories or pain points around how they naturally grew with money. So one of the guys that's in my program, uh, my Micro to Millions program, which is the signature work that we do, he came in, he was making about 35 grand a year. He was a very reluctant landlord. He did a bit of consulting. He's re- he had the roof over his head, but he wasn't really in a great place. Relationship wasn't really where, where he wanted it to be and so forth. And he's, great, very talented musician. And he, what he wanted to do, I've got this passion for music. I want to, I want to sell my music and that's how I want to create my wealth and abundance. And I said, okay, cool, but let's look at society and your experience of society. Have you seen first, second or third hand, anybody who's made wealth and abundance through this path? Of course, the answer was no. And one of the things that people lose sight of is unless I've got first, second, sometimes third hand experience, My mind's not going to hold it to be true that it's possible for me to do that. So the likelihood that I'm going to be able to create that way is very low. And what I invite people to, and this is for the listeners too, if I start to chase something for which I've got no evidence of working, then isn't that a clear sign that I'm self-sabotaging, using my time, my energy, my resources to do something that probably isn't going to work. So what I instead did was I asked him, went through the process, and it turned out that he had 30 years of experience in real estate. But what had happened is 2008, he got very badly stung and really didn't want to have anything to do with real estate because of the pain that he had around that so we did some clearing around that cleared up that energy field we started reshaping his belief systems and opening him up to receiving again right now he's on about half a million a year in income and that's only going up and he's actually doing a deal right now that's going to put him in my seven figure club but it happened because number one he was open to change B he was open to being coached but we were able to take him into his money DNA and show how that was going to create more flow now he's having fun he's working a couple of hours a week he was showing off to me just yesterday He flew from his place in Arkansas to L.A. to go and have a date with someone for the night and flew back and did it all first class. And he was happy as Larry. But his health has improved. His quality of life has improved. He's actually going to be moving down here to Carbon now as well. Working less, more fun, more play, honoring where he's at. But most importantly, being open to making some changes based on what he thought he knew. And to seeing doing things a different way.
1: That's very interesting because that came from a situation where his money DNA was his own personal situation mm-hmm. firsthand, where he experienced this huge pain point mm-hmm. in 2008, where there was probably this tremendous loss. Mm-hmm. Do you find that just as equally as you see situations where individuals experience that type of pain point firsthand? Mm-hmm. Don't you think it far more often where you see people who have experienced it secondhand through a family member or through their upbringing, and they're bringing all of that baggage, so to speak, with what they experienced growing up, and 100%. many times that is their limiting belief? Is that more common than firsthand, or what
0: do you think? A hundred percent. I mean, when we look at the complexity of the brain and how the identity builds over time, A big part of that identity is what we start taking in when we're young, learning from the environment to be, this is the way the world works. And then the brain goes off and starts to form ideas, filter out and create patterns of behavior around that. So even someone that doesn't even have a conscious relationship to the fact that they had perhaps limiting beliefs happening, limiting narratives or pain points that they witnessed, even if they didn't have a conscious awareness of that, at an unconscious level, that's going to be filtering out the choices, what they can see, what they're ready to go out and do and what they're going to move towards. So 100% we're all the product of an environment. I mean, my son's five months old, okay? And right now, he hasn't got words. I don't remember what it was like to be five months old. Do you? I don't remember what it was. My step yeah. was five. I don't remember being five years old. But right now, the, the identity is being built in this time as to how they're going to show up. A lot of the money DNA that people are working with is actually coming from that time and sometimes beyond. There's evidence to show now that even when we're in the womb, we're taking it imprints. There's evidence to show that through our actual genealogy, we can get trauma, we can get limiting beliefs, we can get things actually passed through. So there's a lot of it coming through, but one thing I want to make sure the listeners realize is that we're not ever a slave to it. We're never a slave to it. We can always do something about it.
1: There's always a way to
0: change it. Exactly.
1: Well, you'll have to get your uh, five month old. I highly (laughs) recommend it. A, what I call a bank where, you know, a piggy bank Mm -hmm. that has three slots instead of one. We Mm -hmm. use it all often and we talk about it. And you have one that slot is for spending, one slot is for saving, Mm -hmm. and one slot is for giving, for Mm -hmm. donating. Nice. And it's a very good tool to help youngsters learn money Mm. and learn that it's not all about saving. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people, they talk about the piggy bank and it's saving. And then the the child's like, well, when do I get to spend? Mm -hmm. Well, or donate? Well, it's got to be a combination of all three. Mm -hmm. And we highly preach those three slot piggy banks
0: for that reason. You must send me a a link for someone when I can get my hands on it. I'd I'd love to get
1: there. There are plenty of them. You could just say it's actually more common than you think. I've
0: never heard of one, but definitely want one.
1: I talk a lot about people living a life by design and not by default. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I've Lived my life, you know, when my kids were young, I, I relocated my office to be closer to home mm-hmm. because I didn't want to have to have a half hour to an hour and a half commute every day. Mm-hmm. And I've always tried to live in that fashion. And I think that this seems to fit into your values and teachings also mm-hmm. in terms of not just doing things by default, mm-hmm. but living it by design. Mm -hmm. Can you give us another example in terms of that, you know, maybe with the financial piece, because that seems like your mainstay, Mm -hmm. how can our listeners and how do you create for your clients Mm -hmm. to help them live this lifestyle by design and not by
0: default? Well, first and foremost, for the work close to home, I actually am across the road. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is great because I've got the same view of the water from my office that I do from the house, there you go. <laughs> but, uh, but it does mean that I can sort of pop back and forth. So definitely with you on that one, I actually like to do it a bit backwards ish. I like to say, rather than getting intentional about the money first, let's get intentional about what we want the money for. And the more time that I ask people to explore this, the more often I find that people actually don't know what they want the money for. And if they don't know what the money is for, then there's no emotional imprint to actually impress upon the unconscious to actually move towards it. And that's why people end up meandering. So what I actually do is I've got a, it's a process that we take people through in one of our programs, but we share it as well. I've got a free video on YouTube that speaks to this, something called the ideal life blueprint. And what we do is you say to people, if you had to fit your ideal life into just five areas, what would those five areas be? And we get them to, you know, you can brainstorm first and then group them, where, How you but you want to get it down to five areas. And then those five areas, we want to have an emotional state that we correlate to each one. And then we can start to develop. Role models in each one. We can start to develop who our mentors are going to be in each one. But most importantly, we can start to actually map out what level of abundance we actually need to experience that in our life. If someone says that they want to travel a lot and want freedom to travel, okay, well, let's start looking at what that's going to look like. You're probably going to need some financial freedom because you're probably not going to be able to do that working your nine to five. People are going to say, hey, like, you know, I want to have freedom to be by the beach. You know, that's, you know, that means a lot to me. That's really important. Okay, well, What are some beach locations? Let's start working out. Now I can create a roadmap for what sort of income I need, what sort of capital can lead to the creation of that income if I don't want to create value myself, but want to invest in others. And I can start to look at the longevity of that. I can then start to look at legacy. How am I going to map this out so that it works for my kids? But it starts with knowing what we want. The intentionality of what we need in terms of finances definitely starts with the intentionality of what we want to create.
1: Yeah, listen, I agree with you. I think that's a great point. And to have money without knowing what it's going to get us or what we want to use it for is kind of useless Mm -hmm. because then we end up just spending frivolously and running Mm -hmm. up bills, as you probably experienced early (laughs) on in in your life and and saw it happen firsthand. Mm -hmm. So. I think that's a great point. Build the blueprint, build the picture of where you want to be Mm -hmm. and backtrack, build the plan on how you're going to get there and then go back into the money factor. So I think that's a a great way of looking at things. So Dan, listen, you've shared a lot with us. What are the next steps for Dan and your community? Mm. What's the next big
0: thing you're working on? So I was actually going to do a book this year called Stop Meditating. And then (laughs) I was like, do you know what? we've just re-edited my bestseller stepping beyond intention which is the book all about beyond intention we put a new cover on it and i've given it a clean edit we've updated it based on some new learnings so like, you know i really want to spend some time sharing that with the world so that should be ready probably by the time this podcast is out we're going to be sharing that so i'm really going to be going on the speaking circuit especially as things are opening up a bit more now and just sharing that with people i'm doing a lot of virtual events this year, mm-hmm. really enjoying that virtual workshops here and there. We're trying to get in one a month, and that's what I'm really enjoying. I'm writing for some cool magazines right now. By the time this comes out, it should be formalized. I'm not supposed right. to talk about it yet, but I'll talk about it. There's okay. a couple of really solid magazines that I'm going to be writing regularly for, and just sharing these concepts, these ideas of intentionality, of money DNA, of self responsibility, and being open and learning, and just sharing my experiences through some more writing mediums. So that's what's up for me for sure.
1: Awesome. Well, we'll be looking forward to it and be following you to make sure and that we stay on top of it and see those (laughs) new things coming out. Thank you. You've definitely piqued my interest. So thank you very much, Listen, it's been a pleasure having you on. We end every show by asking all of our guests the same question. So this will be no different. And we want to know, and I think this is gonna be a good one. I don't know. I just have a feeling. (laughs) What did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success?
0: Definitely some snuggles with my son before I left this morning. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's um, awesome. My wife's it Russian. goes by like this, you know? <laughs> but my wife's Russian. My family's originally from Zimbabwe. My parents from Zimbabwe. So we actually honoured both of our heritage's in his name. So his name is Ethan, but he's also got a Russian name and he's got a Zulu name. And his Zulu name is Vuyo, which means joy. And um, it's just a joy to go and get my my snuggles in the morning before I go out on the day. It reminds me of what I'm doing it for. Holds me accountable to being a, a good man today. Sure. Wanting him to be proud of me, but definitely fills me like my joy tank for the day.
1: I love that. My joy tank, my job is for my joy tank got uh, nixed this year because my joy used to be driving my boys to school Mm -hmm. each morning until Uh. my oldest got his driver's license (laughs) and now I got nixed and he drives himself and his brother (laughs) and I'm I'm out like trout. So yeah, we'll have to figure it out. But listen, we're gonna have all your information in the show notes. But if people want to reach out and find you, learn more about you and what you're
0: doing, what's the best way
1: for them to do that?
0: dreamwithdan.com. Very easy to remember, dreamwithdan.com. Got free resources, details of any workshops we're doing. There's always something cool happening. dreamwithdan.com.
1: Fantastic, Dan. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today and make it a great day. Thank you. I want to thank Dan Mangena for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Dan took his late stage diagnosis of Asperger's and turned it into a life mission to help others live a life of abundance, joy, and purpose. He is living his dream life and wants to help countless others do the same using the system that helped him work past his diagnosis. Dan is an inspiration to everyone who has ever received unexpected news that could have a negative impact on their life. He shows us it can be overcome. Dan can be found across all social media platforms, and all the contact information needed to find him can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content, and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit Call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money.
0: The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal.